We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Start for the win. It's good. Pokushevsky takes flight as SGA plays through the contact, banks it in on the foul. What is up and welcome to the uncontested podcast post-game edition as the Thunder have lost to the Miami Heat down in Miami, Florida, 120-108. to I'm your host for the evening, Jacob Niffen. We are brought to you by the Blue Wire Podcast Network. We are also the official podcast of SI Thunder. So make sure you go to SI Thunder to get all of your Thunder news and updates. We're also live tonight on YouTube, Twitter, and Facebook. Shout out to everybody who is joining the stream tonight. If you guys have not yet, I would highly encourage you to subscribe to our YouTube channel. It's just the underscore uncontested. I don't even know there's an underscore in there, if I'm being honest. Um, but join, so, sub on our YouTube channel so you can see when we go live after every Thunder game and every Sunday night at 9 p.m. Our next stream will be this coming Sunday night after the Thunder versus Orlando Magic game, a massively important tank game, which I'll dive into in just a moment. If you're listening to the podcast version of this, thank you so much for downloading our show. I really appreciate you, and I, I thank you very much for taking the time out of your day to listen to me talk about a pretty ugly loss by the Oklahoma City Thunder, 120-108. to I don't think that final score really does this game justice. The Thunder got down by as many as like 27 or 28 in the third quarter of this game as the Miami Heat just systematically picked them apart. I have a list of notes here that we will kind of burn through uh, to talk about the game. My notes go in order of the game. But before we do that, let's take a moment and let's look at the summary of this game tonight. First quarter... The Thunder got down pretty big early before really fighting back, uh, mainly due to Shea Gilgis-Alexander's 10 first quarter points. The Thunder end quarter one down only one point. It was 26 to 27. Uh, Really kept it close there uh, and had a really fun game in that first quarter. The second quarter was the Trey Man show for sure. Uh, Trey scored 20 points in the second quarter of the Thunder's 28 
Uh, it is the highest scoring quarter by a rookie in OKC Thunder history, the highest scoring quarter by a rookie this season, but not enough as the Thunder defense just hemorrhaged down the stretch there. They lose the second quarter 28-42, to 42, a 14-point lost quarter. They come out in quarter number three, lose that one 25 to 34, another nine point quarter loss. So at this point, they lost quarter one by one, quarter two by 14, quarter three by nine. That's a total of 20, being outscored by 24 points. Very, very not good. The Thunder do win the fourth quarter 29 to 17, when nothing really mattered and nobody was really trying that hard. Ends up to a 108 to 120 loss once again. I feel like that score does not really do this game justice. The Thunder were much worse off than that. Some interesting notes tonight. So so let's burn through my notes. First off is the Thunder trotted out a new starting lineup tonight. Uh, They played Trey Mann off the bench. So your starters were Shea Gilgis-Alexander, Aaron Wiggins, Darius Baisley, Alexei Pokashevsky, and Olivier Saar. That is a lot of length. I think the Thunder did that specifically to get length on the court um, and and get some long arms and some passing lanes. Unfortunately, though, for the Thunder, uh, Duncan Robinson just absolutely torched. He outscored the Thunder like on his own, 9-2 to in those first four or five minutes of the game and was just insanely hot and efficient. Um, My first note of the game says, Duncan Robinson has started the game unconscious and his shooting has opened up everything else. If you go back and you rewatch this first quarter from tonight, Robinson hits those first three threes, and then the Thunder get very worried about him hitting more, and so there's a lot of overplaying on him, uh, which led to Miami kind of like reversing the ball, moving the ball well uh, without the dribble, just on the pass, and led to open shots and layups all over the court elsewhere, Uh, So that threat of Duncan Robinson shooting the ball really opened up everything else for the rest of that Miami Heat offense, um, which is really nice for them. And I think that's something that the Thunder want moving forward is, you know, somebody who can shoot well enough that the defense has to respect it to such a high level that it opens up other parts of the game. So it really becomes a pick your poison type of matchup. My next note on the night tonight says Trey Mann is so good at getting to the rim, but he struggles greatly when he gets there. I don't know what Trey is shooting from from two this season. Uh, Let's actually pull up basketball reference real quick while I'm talking and see if we can find that. But Trey Mann has some really impressive moves when he goes to the basket. Uh, He can get there fairly easily with, uh, with his live dribble. He's very crafty with his dribble. He can get to an array of teardrops, floaters from like the free throw line or step inside the free throw line. He's got uh, a nice package of like up and under reverses um, of, of like almost like scoop hook level shots. Almost. It's kind of weird to get the ball up to the rim. It's just not going in whenever he gets there, which is really unfortunate and really sucks. Um, Trey's shooting, um, his field goal percentage from two is 41%. He's shooting 54% at the rim and 36% from three to 10 feet, 43% from 10 to 16 feet. So he's he's 
has this awesome package of moves and and different skills to get to the basket. He just can't finish when he gets there. That reminds me a lot of last year's Lou Dort, who could barrel to the rim. Very different style of getting to the basket. Uh, Lou used his physicality, his strength, and his width to get to the basket, where Trey uses more finesse, uh, more skill. But Dort really struggled finishing at the basket last season. He worked on it all summer long. He came back, and he was a much more efficient shooter uh, getting to the rim this season. I think that's something big that Trey can work on moving forward is finishing at the basket. I think part of that is just constant repetition. And then another part of that is Trey just getting bigger and getting stronger and being able to absorb contact a little bit better to where instead of him being the guy going to the basket, getting bumped off his spot, getting moved, people being physical with him, that he can be the aggressor. He can be the creator uh, of that physicality. I think that will go a long way. I, I'm not saying he's got to get like Lou Dort level jacked. That's not going to happen. Uh, but just add a little bit of meat to his bones and and a little bit of size to him where he doesn't take that punishment down low as often. <laughs> My next note for the night says SGA is on his normal bullshit already because he was. That first quarter, I think Shea had something like 10 points, three assists, and like four rebounds or whatever. And was just, I felt like Shea really started the game off not slow in the sense that like he wasn't doing well. He was just slow playing the game. He was really feeling it out. And then it, it's not like he just pushed his foot all the way to the, to the floor as soon as tip off. He slowly eased on the gas, kind of figured out what the race was going to be like, and then he punched it. Uh, which was really fun to see. He had a series of and ones, crafty layups and finishes. One really nice one over Bam at a bio, little lefty scoop. Just really, really good stuff from Shea uh, in that first quarter tonight and just throughout the whole rest of the evening. I think his first basket was a step back three that was late in the shot clock. Um, Shea tonight, let's just go through his his stat line now. Shea ends the game with 26 points, so he didn't get to his 30. He was 9 of 17 from the field. That's 53%. Only 1 of 4 from 3. The other ones that he took were close and rattled in and out. Uh, He was 7 of 9 from the free throw line. He had 7 rebounds, 4 assists, a steal, 2 blocks, and 3 turnovers. A minus 17 on the night for Shea, which is uh, not great. He did play the most minutes on the team, so that adds up a little bit. Uh, but un- unfortunate for him that he didn't get to that 30 again. But I mentioned this on Wednesday night show. I'll mention it again tonight. He's he's made a leap. Like that's all you can say about it. He's he's become a better player again. I was all uh, all actually listening to one of my favorite basketball podcasts now is um, the Game Theory podcast by Sam Vecini. I, I love what Sam Vecini does. Uh, I think he is very good at what he does. Um, he was talking with Danny LaRue, and Sam said that he thinks SGA is legitimately on his way to being a top 15 player in the NBA, which is awesome and incredible. Uh, that That's not from an OKC homer. That's not from someone that watches this guy uh, every night. This is from a well-respected guy who's in touch with a lot of scouts, um, a lot of people and really evaluates players games. He's just, 
he seems very impressed at the leap Shea has taken. Uh, and so that is, that is great news. That is great news. Uh, let's move on to my next note. It says, V. Krejci is good at moving without the ball. He is in constant motion, cuts at just the right time. You see that with him. You see it with Giddy, with JRE, etc. I put down, those are signs of high basketball IQ, and it seems like what Presti is looking for. If you watch V. Krejci on offense, the dude is like, he makes very quick decisions. He doesn't sit on the ball for too long. He moves it real quick. Uh, I think he's got really nice vision, and he he can diagnose the play and kind of know where the defense is rotating to and what they're doing to make the right read a whole lot. And for a guy that this is his first year in the NBA, um, the NBA is like played at like a much, much, much faster level than what any of these guys have played at before. And so maybe they were able to do that type of thing in college or in Veet's case overseas. But then you get over here and it's moving so much faster that you don't have nearly the time to, to read the play. And so it takes a while for the, for the game to slow down for people. Um, Veet isn't fast. Uh, I think you see that, especially defensively. He struggles moving laterally quite a bit. Turns out when you have an ankle and a, a major knee injury early on in your career uh, and you're not the most overly athletic guy to begin with, you're going to struggle to move athletically. But I think Veet reads the game very, very quickly. He is so good at making those passes, but but from that note specifically, there was just multiple plays in that first quarter where I saw Veet off ball, uh, kind of rotating up around the three-point line, and then just bam, he cuts. And he goes through the lane, and he either gets a pass on that or the defense has to react to him and the defense shifts and it opens up something somewhere else. Uh, just a very high IQ basketball player. And we've talked about this a lot throughout really the past couple of years on this podcast and really all of Thunder Twitter and, and Thunder social media has. Other Thunder podcasts have talked about this. But I think there is a fundamental shift in the style of player that Sam Presti is targeting. In the past, it was always hyper-athletes, right? And I think the reason Presti targeted those hyper-athletes, uh, your Nerlens Noels, your Jeremy Grants, your Steven Adams, your Andre Robertsons, um, your Tabo Cephalosha's, was because the offense was so heliocentric around Russ and around Katie. Now, when you don't have those guys, I think Sam Presti's base model, what he he goes back to as far as a basketball philosophy is high skill, high IQ players. I think that's ideally what he wants to build this team around. You, you follow his history back all the way to the Spurs. It's, it's well documented that Sam Presti was really the guy pitching for the Spurs to draft Tony Parker. He was the one that scouted Tony um, worked real hard um, on evaluating Tony's skill set and eventually got Tony uh, into uh, that Spurs system. So uh, Tony, not a hyper athlete by any stretch of the imagination. He's all skill, right? All skill, all high basketball IQ. I think that is really what um, Presti is is looking for. Um, Veet, Josh Giddy, 
JRE. These guys fit that mold of what he's looking for. I, I think that that's a pretty significant thing. Uh, my next note, Trey broke the zone with two open threes in the second. So my, the Miami Heat, notorious for that 3-2 zone, uh, went to it in the second quarter, and there were two back-to-back plays where Isaiah Roby kind of caught it in the weak spot of the zone, kind of in that center area, took a dribble, caused the zone to collapse, kicked to Trey on the left side, the kind of left corner, left wing three. Trey rises up on the catch and shoot, splashes them both home. Um, and by the time I finished typing that note, I had to add in all caps. And he is now in his effing bag because right after that, he hit a little midi pull up and then he hit a step back three at the top of the key. And at that point, it was on with Trey Man. I mentioned it earlier on the show, but 20 points in the second quarter. That is the most points in a single quarter by any Thunder rookie ever. That is the most points in a quarter by any NBA rookie this season. Trey man. Uh, unfortunately, Trey rolled his ankle late in the game, subbed out, did not come back in. We do not know the severity of that yet, but Trey ended the night on 25 points. He was 10 of 19 from the field, five of 11 from three. Um, that means he was five of eight inside, which is also very nice. No free throws, but he did have eight rebounds. Uh, only one turnover, only one personal foul. I thought Trey really showed off the type of shot creator he can be tonight. I don't think he's going to be that level of a player every night. I don't think that's going to be his his baseline whenever he gets three to four years from now, but I think he's going to be a very productive NBA player. Um, I really like what you're seeing out of Trey, and I was thinking about this tonight, how Coach Dagnall has talked a lot about the the broccoli and the Skittles. And they're trying to hold Trey Mann accountable on the defensive end. And if Trey messes up on the defensive end, they pull him out of the game. Uh, anytime he's not playing at an incredibly high and aggressive level of defense. And, and I think the idea there is to prove to Trey that you have to play defense to play in this league. And for any human in any walk of life to do something that extreme, like that balls to the wall, that be that focused and that aggressive at it. It's not sustainable, right? It's just, it, it, it's not, I don't care what profession you're in. So let, let's use my profession as an example. I'm a teacher, right? And I bust my butt uh, to make high quality lessons, uh, thought engaging, thought provoking questions for my high school students all the time. But if I went into the classroom and every day I'm just like crazy fired up and I'm like talking nonstop and I'm running around the classroom and I'm sitting at every kid's desk, like you're going to get burnt out. But if you do stuff at a high level for long enough, then your baseline, whenever you fall back to, okay, now I'm back to normal. I'm not like pushing hard. I'm back to normal. That baseline is higher than where it used to be. I think that's where they're trying to get Trey at with his defense. Right, They're trying to get Trey to work so hard on defense all the time that when he gets to the spot where he says, okay, I'm just going to rest. I'm, I'm going to play normal defense, not crazy frantic defense. His new normal defense is at a higher level because he's been playing hard for so long. Um, I don't know. It was just a random thought I had tonight. I, I, I thought that might be kind of, I don't know, just something I would share. Next note. Pokely, po- Pokely, Poku struggling. There we go. I tried to combine those two words. Poku struggling with some awareness plays. He had a shot clock violation there. I think it was in the second quarter. 
Uh, he had a shot clock violation immediately followed by um, he bit on a pump fake. The man drove around him. He recovered. Uh, the heat passed it a few times, led to a shot that missed. And Poku stood in the lane and watched as Tyler Hero got the offensive rebound and put back immediately after that. Mark Dagnall calls a timeout and Poku went to the bench. Uh, those are some things that Poku uh, needs to work on. Whenever Mark Dagnall says things like they want Poku to be uh, a competitor, a high-level competitor, they want him to go out there and compete, I think those are the types of plays they're talking about. Uh, you saw that rear its ugly head today. I thought Poku had statistically a good night. I think his fourth quarter was was good, but the fourth quarter didn't matter because the game was already in play um, or, or, or the game was settled, right? We already knew who's going to win. Uh, there wasn't really a lot of competition going on in that fourth quarter. Guys were kind of coasting. So I don't really take that fourth quarter. I mean, Poku did some nice stuff, but I would rather see him make those competitive plays in the first and second quarter instead of showing off some of the flash in the fourth quarter. Uh, next note, Heat offense is a well-oiled machine. Bam being able to go off the bounce is unfair. Uh, this was at the end of that second quarter towards coming up towards the half. There were multiple plays where Bam Adebayo, uh, or as Michael Cage liked to say tonight, Bam, uh, well, how do you say it? Odu, 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 Bayo, Odubeo, something like that. It was weird the way he pronounced it. Um, but Bam had multiple leakouts and had multiple possessions where he would catch the ball, he would isolate, he would go off the dribble, and the people that were big enough to to body him were too slow to stay in front of him, and the guys that were quick enough to stay in front of him uh, were just too small and got pushed out of the way because Bam is a well built human being. Uh, and he just he really took advantage of Oklahoma City tonight, uh, specifically in inside. Bam ended with 19 points, nine rebounds, three assists, and a steal. Um, but it's 19 points, you're not like jaw dropping at that. He was eight of ten from the field, uh, just crazy efficient. And he's I don't know, he's just a really really good basketball player. So. Those are all my notes from the first half. I don't have as many for the second half because the fourth quarter was really kind of like a wash. So before we get to the second half, let's take a quick moment so you guys can hear from some of our sponsors, including ourselves, our own sponsor. I would appreciate if you listen to that ad. Uh, and we will be right back. What's up, Thunder fans? This is Jacob from the Uncontested Podcast. And I'm here to let you know that we have fully redesigned our merch store to get you the best Thunder swag available. Just visit cottonbureau.com and search the Uncontested Podcast to find all of our new designs. That's C-O-T-T-O-N-B-U-R-E-A-U.com and search the Uncontested Podcast to find new drops like Josh Giddy's Wizard of Oz or an ode to the Trey Man step back. We've also got all the classics like Dortal Combat, Lu Tang Clan, and everyone's favorite MVP, Shea Gilgis Alexander. The best part? You can get any design in the style of apparel you want. So if you're gearing up for the summer and want a tank top, needing a hoodie for the winter in Australia, or you're wanting a Pokemon onesie for your baby, 
we've got you covered. Make sure to go to cottonbureau.com and search The Uncontested Podcast to get your new Thunder gear today. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. You know, if I would have applied myself, I could have gone to the NBA. You think so? Yeah, I think so. But it's just like, it's been done. You know, I didn't want to, I was like, I don't want to be a follower. Hi, I'm Jason Concepcion. And I'm Shay Serrano. And we are back. We have a new podcast from Wondery. It's called Six Trophies. Woo! And it's the f-ing best. Each week, Shay Serrano and I are combing through all the NBA storylines, finding the best, most interesting, most compelling stories, and then handing out six pop culture themed trophies for six basketball related activities. Trophies like the Dom- Dominic Toretto, I live my life a quarter mile at a time trophy, which is given to someone who made a short-term decision with no regard for future consequence. Or the Christopher Nolan Tenet trophy, which is given to someone who did something that we didn't understand. Catalina Wine Mixer trophy. Ooh, the Lauren Hill, you might win some, but you just lost one trophy. And what's more, the NBA playoffs are here, so you want to make Six Trophies your go-to companion podcast through all the craziness. Follow Six Trophies on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. Listen ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus. And we are back from that break. Let's jump into my second half notes real quick, and then we'll get out of here. So starting off the second half, um, I, I've, I've already talked about this. We're not going to dive deep into it. I just said I really like Veet's quick decisions. There was multiple plays there in the second half where the ball would find Veet, and he wouldn't just stand there with it. I feel like Darius Baisley does that a lot. Um, he would catch it and he would move it fast. Uh, whether that be he's putting it on the floor and attacking, he's pulling up for three, or he's passing it to somebody else, uh, to the open man on the rotation. He makes very quick offensive decisions, and I really like that about him. Uh, here's a fun note. I said, what I think Poku really needs to work on over the offseason is being more physical. I said, you can't, you, you don't have to be jacked or weigh a lot to play physically. Playing physical is a mindset. Poku shies away from contact too much on both ends. He needs some dog in him. I think that's a big thing for Poku. When you watch him go to the basket, he's got some nice, uh, a nice little package of off the dribble plays where he can hit it like a little pull up. I tweeted tonight. I think his go-to is the Euro step, miss the layup and then use those crazy long arms to tip it back in. Um, He's got a nice package of moves. He's got a lot in his bag, but he does not want to meet any resistance. He, his his play right now is I have to find a way to go 
around my guy than go through my guy. And he does that on defense defense as well. You notice a lot where he gets pushed around defensively. Um, I thought a great sign of physicality and toughness for him was in that Spurs game when he went up to try to contest that Keldon Johnson dunk there at the end. I love that play from Poku. Didn't see that much from him tonight. Uh, I thought he shied away from contact a lot. I thought he shied away from the physicality of the game and the Heat are known to be a physical uh, and aggressive and competitive team. Uh, I want to see Poku put this putting on weight and putting on mass help. Heck yeah, it does. Of course it does. But I want to see that mindset shift in Poku where he's not afraid to get physical. I want to see... I we've talked about this a little bit. Some people might disagree with this. I want to see some Chet Holmgren in Poku. Chet Holmgren is skinny as hell, but he that dude is tough as nails. He wants to get in there. He wants to mix it up. He wants to bump people. He wants to move people. He wants to meet everything at the rim. He wants to throw your shot back down your throat. I want some nastiness from Poku, and I think that's something that he could really work on this summer. I think that would really help his game out a lot. Um, another note, I said one interesting thing so far, we've had very little Baisley on Bam Adebayo. I thought that might be the best matchup for the Thunder tonight. We ended up seeing Baisley guard, um, Tyler Hero a lot, which I thought was fascinating. We saw him guard Duncan Robinson, uh, quite a bit tonight. I wanted to see Baisley guard Bam Adebayo. I think Baisley is one of the guys that maybe had the, the length, the quickness, and some of the physicality to play with Bam. Uh, and we only saw it on switches a few times. I would have liked to see that more tonight, um, but it is what it is. Miami, my next note, Miami has just systematically taken over in the third, just stepped on the gas and slowly accelerated past OKC. Uh, just little runs, um, and just consistent play by Miami, kind of pulled them away in the third and closed this game out. Uh, with nine minutes left in the fourth, I wrote down Poku had a nice reverse layup with his long arms. Poku was matched up on Markeith Morris at the time, who, if you do not remember, used to be a member of the Oklahoma City Thunder and one of the most random signings I can ever remember for this team. I have another note, uh, two more notes. Wiggins had some really nice and tough finishes in traffic. I really like the physicality Aaron Wiggins plays with, especially offensively. That dude is not afraid to go inside and mix it up. Um, he's not very tall. He's six foot four. He's like, he's shorter. This is kind of weird to think about that Aaron Wiggins is shorter than Trey Mann. I just feel like P Trey plays a lot smaller than Aaron, but Trey is actually an inch taller than Aaron Wiggins. I just love Aaron Wiggins' physicality. And then my last note, Trey Mann tweaked his ankle after a play. It wasn't during the run of play. I'm sure you guys saw this. Uh, it was after a possession. I think he stepped on, um, uh, what do you call it? The, 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 the padded part of the, of the, the actual physical hoop itself. Um, the, the stanchion maybe, is that the word I'm looking for? I think he stepped on that and like with his heel and kind of turned his ankle a little bit. We will see what his status is for Sunday. Speaking of Sunday, the Thunder take on the Orlando Magic in one of the most important tank nights of the year. And speaking of tank nights, let's do a quick tank update before we get out of here. A pretty good night for the Oklahoma City Thunder tonight as, well, let's start with last night. 
Last night we had Detroit versus Orlando. That's a great game for the Thunder because one of those two had to win. Detroit won that game. So here are your bottom four, five standings as of 10, 10 p.m. on Friday, March 18th. We have Houston with the worst record in the NBA at 17 and 53. We have Orlando in second place at 18 and 50, 53. So they played one more game than Houston. We have Detroit in third place at 19 and 51. The Thunder in fourth place at 20 and 50. And then Indiana won tonight. So they're up to 24 and 47. So OKC only has one more win than Detroit. They only have two more wins than Orlando. They played Detroit one time, one more time before the season is over. They play Orlando this Sunday and again the following week. I don't know if they're going to lose those games. But if the Thunder lost the one to Detroit and the two to Orlando, that could put us at a three-way tie for the second best lottery odds in the NBA. That would be massive. That would be absolutely massive. Few other things for the tank update. I mentioned Indiana won tonight. They beat the Houston Rockets. Indiana has 24 wins. The Thunder have 20 wins. Indiana has 11 games left. Uh, how many games does the Thunder have left? They're at 70 games. So the Thunder have 12 games left. So in order for the Thunder to relinquish control of that of the fourth best odds to Indiana, the Thunder would have Indiana would have to go winless, 0 and 11. In their last 11 games, they're four and six in their last 10. I don't think they're going 0 and 11. And the Thunder would have to go four and seven just for Indiana to tie. Thunder are one and nine in their last 10. I don't see that happening. I, I, I don't know how to calculate those mathematical odds. Maybe 538 does that. Uh, you, you guys can check that out. But after tonight, I feel like the probability of the Thunder being at worst the fourth best lottery odds come the NBA draft lottery on, is it May 17th, I believe, is what the, the NBA announced. I feel very confident about that now. I don't think the Thunder are slipping down farther than four. I think they're safe there. And with two games left against Orlando and one game left against Detroit, I think there is a rising chance that the Thunder jump into those top three odds. And that's exactly where you want to be with the flattened lottery odds. If you are top three, you automatically have a 52% chance at landing a top four selection and a 14% chance at landing the number one overall selection. That is exactly, exactly what OKC wants. Now, Shea mentioned his sore ankle. He tweaked it a little, uh, he mentioned it after, after the Spurs game. He tweaked it a little bit tonight. I will not be surprised if Shea sits out Sunday night. I think that is for the betterment of the team. I know a lot of people will say a lot of things about the Thunder intentionally sitting games and trying to lose and tanking. My response to that, I was thinking about this earlier today. My response to that is this. Why would the Thunder try in these last 12 games? What is the point? You are not playing for anything that there is nothing in front of you, right? You're not playing for a chance at a title. You're not playing for a chance at a championship or a playoff contention. You're not playing for a play in spot. You're not playing for some type of award. You're not going to get financially compensated for playing better down the stretch. 
from the Thunder's coaching staff and front office perspective, there is nothing in front of you now. You have some roster decisions to make this summer because you currently hold four picks in this upcoming draft. If you bring in four draft picks, you got to cut four guys. You need to evaluate the players on your roster. You need to get them live game action minutes. You need to evaluate who, what you have and what their skill set is. And the NBA incentivizes losing for bad teams so they can get better players via the draft. So anyone saying, oh my gosh, the Thunder intentionally sitting guys so they can lose games. That's so weak. But like, this is the logical thing to do. Like, this isn't a a pro-tank, anti-tank argument. This is just simply like, if you don't try to lose these last 12 games, I think you're kind of dumb, honestly. Does Shea want to play? Hell yeah, he does. He's competitive. He wants to get out there and hoop. I can understand that. But as a coaching staff and as a front office, your main goal these last 12 games, let's not get anybody seriously injured. Let's keep our star guys, our core guys safe. Let's evaluate what we have on this roster so we can make some tough decisions this summer on who's staying and who's going. In order to do that, we got to play a lot of the bad guys to figure out where they're at developmentally. I wouldn't be upset if the Thunder are currently on a uh, nine, eight-game losing streak. They have 12 games left. Um, F it. End the season on a 20-game losing streak. Right? Like, what's that going to hurt? It, is Shea going to say, oh, we lost the last 20 games of a, of a season that we weren't going to make the playoffs anyways. I want out now. No. Shea signed a five-year extension that hasn't even kicked in yet with no player options, no kickers on the end. He signed for the full five years because he has conversations with the front office. His representation has conversations with the front office. They know what to expect moving forward, and they are in this to build something special. Josh Giddy's a rookie. He's not asking out. Who else are you worried about asking out? Lou Dort? He's trying to get paid. He's not going to ask out. The Thunder are going to offer him a contract. You're worried about Alexei Pokashevsky or Darius Baisley not wanting to play on a losing team? Cool, bro. Bye. Right? Like, I don't see any point in winning the rest of these games. Uh, it is in the best long-term interest of this team to evaluate their talent moving forward over these last 12 and to get the best possible draft pick they can get so they can get the ball rolling quicker. That's all I got. Sorry for the tank rant there at the end, but uh, it's where they're at. It's what they need to do. Let's sim one lottery before we get out of here. Oh, I don't like that at all. Thunder dropped to seven and the Lakers went to number one. Miss me with that. Spin number two. Thunder get the number two overall pick in the draft. I'll take a Jabari Smith Jr. Sign me up. He looked good today. Thank you guys so much for joining the show. I really appreciate you again. Hey, drop a five-star rating. Take a screenshot of it. DM it to us on any of our social channels. I will mail you out some uncontested stickers. Also, hit up Cotton Bureau. Buy yourself some Thunder swag. we got some clean stuff up there. We'll be back with you guys Sunday night after the Tank Bowl in Orlando. You guys enjoy your weekend. Stay safe. We will talk to you soon. Until then, and as always, Thunder up.
Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.